0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Netflix and Swill Podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I'm Caleb.
1: And I promise you, I have the most viewed movie of all time ever on Netflix on its first day. I swear.
0: <laughs> and I believe you.
1: How are you doing, friend? I'm doing all right.
0: Um, Just uh, enjoying a, a nice day off.
1: There you go. I hope you filled it with uh, many good things and not, you know, other things that were less good.
0: I don't I don't know what that means, but yeah, I hope so. I took a nap. It was nice.
1: uh, I'm proud of you. Uh, I did a lot of meal prep today uh, because I'm like 210 again. And the lightest I had been in years was actually at your wedding where I was around like 190. So. I'd like to get back to that. So I made a bunch of meals for the week and that's going to be my, my thing now going forward is meal prepping like a fucking psychopath.
0: And I, uh, sat in my recliner and ordered Chicago style deep dish pizza.
1: There's a, there's a TikTok going around of, uh, some guy complaining, watching, uh, somebody make a Chicago style deep dish pizza. And they're like, where's the cheese? And, uh, it's increased by like more people getting on, like getting onto it and saying it's under the sauce, and then yeah. it, the, he's like, "Where's the cheese?" I don't understand where the cheese is. It's under the sauce. It's under the sauce. It's under the sauce. And everyone just they're they're so progressively annoyed by the man not understanding the simple fact that the cheese is under the sauce in a Chicago deep dish pizza. Uh,
0: it's true. And uh, I don't know. I kind of like it that way. It's uh, they they put the sauce right on top of there. And then uh, I don't know. That's I like a a good saucy pizza. And uh, with that, they like they really fuck that bitch up with some sauce. The sauce is like a half inch thick. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. Uh, also, I'm helping dog sit my girlfriend's boss's uh, Boston Terrier. Uh, and oh, she God. is a handful.
0: Yeah, she's a Boston Terrier.
1: Yeah. Uh, all that's made Ashley say is, "We are never getting a puppy. We, we're, we're, we're you know, we when we have the dogs, it's it the the, one, the ones we got. No more.
0: We'll uh, we'll see how it goes once they uh start kicking the bucket. They are old. Well. Uh, On that note, let's uh, drink to forget our dog's mortality with a little segment we like to call What's Your Swill?
1: Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans! (coughs) Stay away from the cans!
0: Uh, What are you having, Dan?
1: I'm having a gin and tonic. Uh, Also, what I'm having is anticipation to see how our patron chat goes uh, whenever Ashley hears that part of the show on Tuesday. (laughs) What do you have? Um,
0: well, my wife's family came to visit her this weekend. Uh, ah, so like I didn't get to see my wife like at all this weekend. Uh, but as a consolation, they brought me, uh, a, a late birthday present, which consisted of a couple six packs. Uh, one of them being, uh, North country brewings, firehouse red, which, uh, is uh, a local brewery in Slippery Rock, Pennsylvania. And, I don't know, it's uh, just the uh, nostalgic home thing, I guess. It's not too bad. They also got me, um, it's uh, a koozie that I have my beer in. Uh, that It has like a sticky pad that you stick up in the shower and it velcros to the koozie. And it says, another day, another shower beer. Which is kind of hilarious.
1: There you go. Uh, I'm happy for you. Uh, also, <laughs> uh, what are the IBUs and ABV on that bad boy? Because I have no idea what the taste is like.
0: Um, shit, I don't know. It's in a koozie. I can't read it. <laughs> if you can't read it, simply take it out of the koozie to be able to read it. <sighs> but it's, it's really in there tight. Maybe if I twist it a bit. There we go. Uh, It says specialty malts blended with UK Fuggle hops <laughs> 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 and Pacific Northwest Centennial hops give this ruby ale its unique color and balanced flavors. 5.5% alcohol by volume. That is it. That's all it says. And then it has pictures of firefighting equipment around the label.
1: They got some fuggly hops in there. Yeah. All right, Uh, let me see what kind of housekeeping do we have? Uh, There's no housekeeping. Uh, It's just a regular show where we talk about uh, things. So let's talk about things with the news.
0: Oh, shit, it's mail time. All right. Um, As though you didn't know, Squid Game Season 2 is in the works. Uh, It was confirmed by the creator of the series. Mild shock. You're
1: welcome. Okay. Uh, uh, there you guys go. It's it's happening. He's working on it. Probably isn't coming out till twenty twenty
0: three. Yeah, probably. They're on that Stranger Things schedule.
1: Yeah. Well, that's Netflix in a can. Uh, they just, you know, milk their big shows for as long as possible, and then, uh, see how much you'll put up with. Uh, and since you're a fan of the thing, you'll put up for it for a while. All right.
0: Uh, the cast of the One Piece anime adaptation was announced, uh, and anime fans worldwide freaked out, as is tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: a lot of people writing it off already, because the character, the, the, the fucking headshots of the actors don't look like the fucking characters. I mean, and, uh, also, people are upset that the guy playing Usopp is black. So, you know, the normal shit. Anytime a black man gets cast in something.
0: Yeah. So dumb. Um, Speaking of casts for things, uh, the cast of Never Have I Ever is uh, in talks to renegotiate their contracts uh, for higher pay ahead of season three. So stand by for cancellation notice.
1: Yeah, uh, especially when you see some of the prices, because, um... The highest paid actress on the show is uh the woman who plays Davy's mom. Uh and uh what is her name? Uh Metre, that's it. That's all I'm gonna say. I can't possibly pronounce
0: Matreya Ramakrishnan.
1: Sure. Uh she's looking for like a bump up to that salary, whatever that salary is. Uh Darren Barnett is looking for a bump up to that salary. Uh J- like Jaron Lewinson. Or Lee Rodriguez and Ramona Young are all looking for like 150 K per episode. Right. And young uh, young is. Oh, uh, and then reach out more. Johnny is also looking for one hundred fifty thousand dollars per episode. So what was it? Ten episodes. So they're looking at making one point five million dollars each per episode per season going forward. Dang. And everybody else, uh, the the other three are going to be making more than that. So potentially upwards of like two million dollars per season. So what? That's six, 12 million just in casting. Is the we didn't we never got numbers for season two. Is is the show popular enough that it can support that?
0: Uh. More importantly, are Davy and Paxton endgame?
1: You know who's really endgame? Davey and John McEnroe.
0: (laughs) What about Davey's mom and John McEnroe?
1: Wouldn't be a post. But yeah, uh, I I think this is now on the chopping block. This show. If uh, if these are going to be their asking prices, like season three will probably be it because this show has to do. Probably better than it already does, like. I don't think I don't think it's expensive from like a permits or locations thing because there's like no CG and like no stunts. It's all acting. So maybe like it's 20 million per season now. So like what is what does that have to be for viewership to actually like what does viewership have to be for that to actually happen? I don't know. I don't know either. That's going to be interesting to find out what happens with this show. Cause I I am good for them getting a raise, especially considering that Matre uh, was getting like $26,000 per episode in the second season after getting like 21,000 in the first season, just got a hundred thousand dollars signing bonus. So like, yeah, uh, what, 300, $360,000 to uh, potentially, and this is a total guess because we don't know, uh, potentially $2 million per season is uh, a massive fucking jump. That's true. All right, uh, our next story is very light. It's uh, that games are now available through the Netflix app on iOS, uh, and I will talk about some of them because I downloaded some of them. Uh, I, I downloaded Stranger Things 3, the, the game that I played on my PlayStation 4 for a bit. Uh, I fucking hate the tap controls for this yeah. game. Like <laughs> I, I I like you have to tap where you want to go on the screen. And I'm like, oh, I don't like this. And I just kept walking around. I'm like, I still don't like this. I hate this. And then I uh, shut it off within like a minute of turning it on. That's how, that's how much I did not like that. Uh, and then I played a very phone game. It's, um, oh, what the fuck is it called? It's like bowling something. Let me find it. Uh, bowling ballers. Uh, it's basically an endless runner where you're a bowling ball and you have to hit pins and collect coins, uh, to succeed at the game. Uh, it's a phone game. It's fun. Like it's, you, you sink, you can sink some time into it. It, it is what it is.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I was like flipping through them a bit. I didn't really, didn't really dive into it too deep, but, Mm. uh, it's there. It exists.
1: Exactly. That's so what it is. So, uh, we're getting they also announced we're getting a League of Legends game, like that's sort of a tie in to their arcane series, which is on the the streaming service now. So, that's something to look out for, I guess. Uh, toxic League chat not included.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say, League of Legends game is that like League of Legends?
1: No, uh, though, they do have uh, League of Legends Wild Rift that is available for phones, which is basically just League of Legends, but also tap controls and therefore terrible. But it's apparently coming to consoles, so I'll play it there.
0: All right. And uh, finally, Red notice is Netflix's biggest opening day for a movie, whatever that means. Uh... <laughs> Dan, what are your thoughts?
1: Uh, people are questioning the veracity of it and I'm getting mad at them because I mean yes uh, why why is this the thing that you're all saying? oh my god we should all start questioning everything Netflix says like there's so many people coming out of the woodwork being like but wh- how do we know this is true? this is just Netflix making it up and I was like, well, I can tell you they're probably not making it up but they're just some they're just saying some shit in order to market their movie. Like, hey, more people watch this movie than any other movie that we've ever had on a streaming service on the day of release ever. Cool. Like, yeah, that's probably true considering the fact that who's in it. But, like, I don't I don't understand why this is suddenly the hill everyone wants to die on when it comes to, you know, uh, questioning Netflix putting out uh, things that don't even have concrete numbers behind them. Like... I don't know, man, if you're if you're going to question anything, question like previous tweet announcements about like numbers. Also, they're probably going to repeat this during their shareholders call. And I will continue to say this. Everybody who complains that how do we know Netflix is telling the truth about these numbers? Uh, Because they could get fucking fined heavily for lying to shareholders on their uh, on their like uh, quarterly earnings calls. It's it's happened before. Uh, It hasn't happened recently. It's been like five years since somebody was proven to be lying, uh, and they got fucking hit hard. Netflix would get hit hard by fines if they did it. So stop it. Get some help. Yeah.
0: That's all true.
1: I'm now less mad. I'm slightly more calm.
0: All right. Uh, Well, why don't we get into some trailers uh, for downstream?
1: Baby, I can't control the internet. (laughs)
0: And our first trailer this week uh, is for a new Korean horror series coming to Netflix. I would like to welcome you all to The New World. All hell breaks loose. Utter chaos ravages the world. A Netflix series, Hellbound, coming November 19th. Unearthly beings deliver bloody condemnation, sending individuals to hell and giving rise to a religious group founded on the idea of divine justice. Dan, it's Demons and Cults.
1: I'm here for it. Uh, I think the most intriguing part about this is this is the next big uh, like Eastern series since squid game. So what is the audience going to be for this? Because now we get to see what kind of effect squid game had on a larger audience because, you know, what was it? 136, 142 million people at least checked out part of squid game. So you know, uh, it was like I think a f- two thirds of those people finishing the series uh, within this tw- first twenty eight days. So, like, is is fifty million a uh, uh, potential here? Like, are we looking at fifty million viewers for this series? Th- would that be considered a failure? I don't know, but I I think I'm more intrigued by that than the series. And that's not to say it looks bad. I actually think it looks interesting, and I want to check it out. But uh, the business side again is, uh, calling to me more than the actual business itself or like the, the actual content itself. What did you think?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, I think it looks cool. I'm, uh, I'm here for it.
1: Tell you this, we got a gaping hole somewhere in January. We can throw that in there. I'll give you a gaping hole. I don't need any more gaping holes. I have many gaping holes. <laughs>
0: Ah, that's gross. All right. uh, Next up is. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Next up is a trailer. Uh, Christmas is coming early this year. Just maybe not the way you'd expect it to be. Elves is on Netflix November 28th. A Christmas vacation turns into a nightmare for a teenager and her family when they discover an ancient menace that stalks their island getaway. Say it right. An ancient menace. Thank you. I wasn't sure if that was what you wanted or not.
1: (laughs) Then that was it. Uh, 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 Oh, man, could be interesting, could be terrible. I don't fucking know. It's a series for some reason, although I don't know what that fucking means. Like, maybe it's like six episodes and they're like 30 minutes apiece, So it's a three hour movie. Who the fuck knows? But
0: yeah, maybe it's like uh, Midnight Mass.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm intrigued because it looks like it could be fun. Uh, did it say when it, uh, November twenty November twenty eighth? Yes. And that's a sun. That's a weird release date. Sunday. Whatever. Uh, yeah. Uh, I I could go either way on it. Maybe I'll watch it like randomly, but I also have many things to catch up on before checking this out anyway. So, uh, probably gonna hit the back burner entirely. Okay. Um. Next up is <laughs> <laughs> Single
0: All The Way Desperate to avoid his family's judgment About his perpetual single status Peter convinces his best friend Nick To join him for the holidays And pretend that they're now in a relationship But when Peter's mother sets him up on a blind date With her handsome trainer James The plan goes awry Uh huh Uh, So we're definitely watching this, and uh, that's going to be a whole thing.
1: Yep, it's definitely going to be a whole thing. Uh, Jennifer Coolidge is in it, and uh, she looks hilarious. Not like, actually, like, not physically looks hilarious, but like, is being hilarious. Like, she's the crazy aunt that you have in every fucking holiday movie ever. Yeah, it's true. Uh, this looks like uh dumb garbage, so I can't wait to watch it.
0: <sighs> I don't know. I uh, I thought it was really funny whenever uh, the friend was telling him to get ready and said, Don, your gay apparel. It's pretty good. Pretty good joke. Pretty good. All right. Uh, next up is something called The Hand of God. Uh, this is Italy's official submission for international feature film at the 94th Academy Awards. From Academy Award-winning writer and director Paolo Sorrentino uh, comes the story of a boy, Fabietto Schisa, in the tumultuous Naples of the 1980s. Uh, the Hand of God is full a story full of unexpected joys, such as the arrival of football legend Diego Maradona and an equally unexpected tragedy. Fate plays its part, joy and tragedy intertwine, and Fabietto's future is set in motion. Sorrentino returns to his hometown to tell his most personal story, a tale of fate and family, sports and cinema, love and loss. In select theaters in December and on Netflix December 15th.
1: Is the trailer I'm most interested in? Uh, it looks okay. Yeah, I mean, like I, I think it looks good. Uh, I, I can definitely see being interested in this, but yeah, I think there might be some loss in Translation kind of stuff. Not the movie, but the actual, you know, phenomenon. Uh, but otherwise, like, I'm intrigued by this. Like, it, this at least, other than Hellbound, which probably is the, the the big thing for me on this trailer list, this is one of those things where I'm like, okay, I could see myself really enjoying this. There's no way in hell I'm going to like Single All The Way. I'm going to laugh at it the whole time for being stupid saccharine garbage elves probably isn't going to be any good. And the next thing we're going to talk about is definitely not going to be any good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, with that segue, uh, let's talk about mixtape as the world approaches. Y2K, a quirky 12 year old sets out on a journey to find songs on a mixtape crafted by her late parents. Along the way, she builds new friendships, opens up to her grandmother and finds her own identity. Uh, it's a music film about children
1: is it julie bowen i don't know i'm pretty sure that's julie bowen and uh if that's the case there's no way that julie bowen is old enough to be playing grandma now i don't know maybe she got started young it it is julie bowen uh julie bowen was born in uh, 1970 so she's 51
0: I don't know. You can be a grandma at 51 if you try. If you believe in yourself.
1: I mean, yeah, but also, no, you don't have to make her. Like, get an actual grandma, man. Because now you're just, like, moving goalposts. I don't
0: know. Maybe they wanted her to be a fun, sexy grandma.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, we have sexy Aunt May, so we're getting progressive.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, talking about your Peter Tingle. Yikes. That's directly from the fucking Spider-Man movie.
1: I know it was a yikes then. It's still a yikes now. (laughs) What did you think of this? It reminds me of. uh,
0: What was that movie we watched? Where she makes like the angry. Yeah, Moxie. She makes the angry zine. Kind of looks like that, but like slightly younger age bracket, I guess. Yeah. So I'm slightly less interested.
1: <laughs> Remember when we liked that and then Ashley didn't, so Ashley actually really hates women?
0: Yeah, it's true. Ashley's a turf. <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't don't put that evil on her Ricky Bobby. <laughs>
0: oh man. I hate that I've been given that word now.
1: All right, thanks. Uh, thanks uh, I'm world. going
0: to misuse it.
1: All right, so uh with with Caleb uh, mislabeling my girlfriend as a turf, it's time to move into another segment called Quick Hits where we talk about some shit we watched this week. <laughs> so tell me all about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Golden Wind, uh, all the spoilers because we all know I'm never going to watch this. <laughs>
0: Uh yeah, it's finally time to watch it. I've been watching this for the last couple weeks. Uh I'm like probably not even halfway through part 5 yet, but um I don't know. Feels like it's time to talk about it and then I'll I'll kind of do a wrap up and my complete feelings on it when I finish it. Um so Golden Wind follows Giorno Giovanna. Uh he's he's the new JoJo. Get it? Geo Geo, do you get it? Do you get why he's JoJo?
1: Um, Kind of sounds like Dio Dio.
0: Yes, it is. Uh, funny you should mention that. So, uh, Dio, like the main villain in parts one and three, and kind of the looming shadow over the whole series so far, um, is actually Jorno's dad, uh, using, uh, in a weird twist of fate, uh, the original JoJo, uh, jonathan joestar uh his his body and genetic material i guess so like the show's fucking crazy so like at the end of the first season dio like he becomes a vampire the original jojo kills him with the fantastic powers of homone and uh like dio narrowly escapes i guess and like Decides to that he's like, for some reason, like in exactly one episode, uh, they give him the power to shoot eye lasers, which he uses to decapitate uh, Joseph and like attach his head to his body. Uh, And then like in part three comes back because he's he's hauled from the ocean floor by like some salvagers. Mm-hmm. Uh so apparently like sometime during the events of uh Stardust Crusaders Dio got down and uh had had a son which was Giorno um so like Giorno grew up not knowing who his father was um but like you know whenever all the weird shit happened and everybody got stand powers Giorno got a stand power as well and uh he uses his stand golden wind to uh punish mobsters effectively so like the the arc of this season is like um jorno trying to work his way up through uh a mafia family and take over it so that he can like basically kill all of them and like protect mm-hmm. the innocent uh, it's neat. It's a neat idea. He's gonna use the stones to destroy the stones. Um. Also, like they they did it a bit in part four, and like even part three to an extent. But like, they're they've got a really liberal interpretation of what a human being is because like it introduces the character of Pulpo, who is uh, a capo in the mafia family that they're a part of. Uh. And he's like, he's, he's basically like a big squishy truck. Uh, and instead of hair, he has like, like, uh, like these metal, like screws sticking out of his head, I guess. I don't know. It looks like a hat, but it looks like he just has like a bunch of nails in his head. Like he's a pinhead or something. Uh, it's wild. He's a Cenobite. Yeah, kind of. Um, but like. Uh, Jorno's stand, Golden Wind, is one of the more interesting ones that they've had so far. So, like, um, it can turn inanimate objects into living creatures. So, he, like, uh, turns people's money into butterflies so that it will, like, fly to him and he can steal their money and then he turns it back into money. Or, like, uh, in, in Polpo's case, like, he turns a gun into, like, a banana uh and like hides it in Polpo's cell and when Polpo goes to eat it it turns back into a gun and he fucking blows his brains out that's a spoiler uh but that's how they like clear the rank so that they can move up and become capos in Polpo's place so like uh it's uh it's an interesting power and they like do interesting things with a lot of their stands so like hmm. a lot of them now rather than just being like um broadly powerful or like hyper specialized so like uh Bruno uh is like his new Bruno Bucciarati is like his new like sidekick i guess um and he has the stand um so like they use the the americanized versions cuz i know they're all named after like classic rock songs but they don't want to get sued in like the localized version so they call it zipper man i think it's actually um sticky fingers uh which is named after a rolling stones album so they call it zipper man in in this one to avoid lawsuits but he like he can like put zippers on things literally like to like open up holes in walls and go through them or he can like do it to people and like decapitate them essentially by like zippering their head off. It's mm. fucking wild. Um there's uh another like new character his name's uh Guido Mista, which is a fantastic name. Uh his his stand is called Sex Pistols and it's uh like six mini stands that live in the chambers of his six shooter and they'll like Kick the bullet to make it like bend and hit a target. So uh it's fun. The show's a
1: lot of fun. It's all fun. Well, there you go. Maybe, 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 big maybe, I will watch it at some point. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. You watched uh
0: you watched the spoke Kashibi Rohan, so it is true. Uh, It's a weird show. It is a weird show. It's a bizarre adventure.
1: So I'll start with the thing you're you're going to hate and that Paul's going to hate because uh, it's Hypnotic starring uh, Mike Flanagan's wife, Katie Siegel. Although, I mean, I'm going to put some respect on her. She's actually a good actress. But uh, she goes to see a therapist who introduces her to hypnotherapy and then uh, she starts waking up without having any memory of things happening around her. Uh, that's because he hypnotized her and started using uh, hypnotism to fucking murder people around her because uh, spoilers for this bad movie. Uh, sh- she kind of looks like his, his now dead wife and he wants to replace his now dead wife uh, with women. And uh, they fight back to fight against the man who hypnotized her. And it's a, uh, it, it also stars uh, Gus from psych. As, as a cop who's doing a cop voice. uh, It's a bad movie. Uh It's not fun or entertaining. It's just like, yeah, it oh, so-
0: sounds terrible.
1: It shows its hand about halfway through and it's like, OK. Then stop it. And then it's like, no. Oh, OK, cool. Thanks. And then it just keeps going. And I'm like, I, f- <laughs> I, fucking, <laughs> I fucking hate this. So, yeah, Uh hypnotic. Don't watch it. Uh, it's it's not good. I, I don't recommend it. I, I don't even know. I think like we watched it like last Sunday after we finished recording this episode, Ashley and I did. And I just went, OK, I guess, whatever. Uh, then I watched all six episodes of Arcane a League of Legends series. Uh, I don't know if that's actually the correct subtitle for it, but uh, it follows the story of Vi and uh, the the. League of Legends champion that would soon be known as Jinx uh, and Jace and Caitlyn and Heimerdinger and Echo. Uh, Raise them dongers. Raise them dongers. Uh, I'm glad you know that meme. Thank you. (laughs) It's the one thing I know about League of Legends. uh, Also, you know that Nautilus exists and he looks like a big daddy.
0: Yeah, that's like the only character I ever played in League of Legends because I played it like one time.
1: I remember being like if I'm ever going to get Caleb into this game, it's going to be by having him play the big daddy.
0: Yeah. I, I immediately was like, Hey, this character has an anchor. I want to be him.
1: So, uh, this covers so like their backstory, uh, their lore. Uh, cause what, oh, so I you don't in- care about it then. Oh no, I care. Uh, it's just, it's not <laughs> magic. The gathering Ma- look magic. The gathering has impossible lore. Like, there is so much lore for me to try to care about that I I can't.
0: The thing of it, too, is, like, it has, like, a lot of lore that is not important because they'll do, like, small self-contained stories. And then, like, Mm. 12 years later, they'll reference them and expect people to care.
1: Which I don't. But this, like, I've kind of been also, like, the big thing with this is they're rewriting the lore entirely. So, for instance... Uh, there, the, one of the big central points is, that, uh, Piltover, which is the country, uh, one of the city, one of the city states that is, um, basically focused all on technology, like they're the city of progress are all about, like, basically, if you think about it, they're actually, uh, new Columbia from Bioshock Infinite. Okay. I think, I think it's just Columbia. No, I thought, it, I thought it was new Columbia for some reason, but, um, yeah, like the, are Columbia. Like they're, they're this idyllic city that, uh, y- you know, uh, uses technology to leverage against uh, the the have-nots who are the city of Zahn, uh, which is where our main characters of Vi and Jinx come from, or as she's known in the show, Powder. Um, so, like, uh, uh, this rewrites the history of what Hextech is, which is basically a combination of magic and uh, technology. because. Uh, Previously in lore, uh, Hextech had been around for hundreds of years. Uh, Now it's like finding, like discovering Hextech and like putting it to use. And uh, there's lore implications (coughs) to moving up the timeline where uh, there's one character by the name of Skarner who uh, like his race, he's like a crystal scorpion thing. Uh, And his race was hunted to extinction because they had these hex crystals that allowed Pilt over to make the hex tech uh, technology. That's changed. I don't know how that's going to go f- moving forward, but the, they've changed a lot of backstories enough to where it's like there's a significant difference. So I don't know what Riot's doing, uh, how this is going to fit into the game. Uh, I'm sure someone really cares. I don't. I'd care if this is a good show or not. And it's a good show, It's it's pretty interesting. Uh, can't wait to see where it goes for its final three episodes, because uh, this is releasing three episodes every week for the next. Well, it started on the 6th, then they did three more episodes on the 13th, and then we'll get three more episodes on the 20th. So I'll probably report back then uh, next week on what I think of the whole series overall. But uh, overall, so far, it's good. Uh, people saying it's the best thing that Netflix has ever done. Stop. Get some help. <laughs>
0: Go watch more things.
1: Please, please watch more things. It's not even the best animated thing that Netflix does. It's not even the best animated thing that Netflix has done this year. So stop. But you're allowed to have your opinion, but your opinion is wrong. So uh, that's it. That's all I watched this week.
0: Okay. well, why don't we cut into a quick break? And when we come back, we will be joined by Andrew Morgan of the Nomcast to talk about Red Notice. You thought it would be the old mid-roll ad break, but it was me, the one that's a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure meme. The following patrons have abandoned their human frailty and joined Lord Dio's Eternal Army: Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton, Nick Haskins, Ashley the Bubby Gorski, Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, James Delarosa, Rosa, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, Nate Wade, Alan Gallerisi, Casey Moore, Nerd Revert Jason, Sam, the hurley boy Hurley, Giuseppe Vicaretti, and Dan's mother. If you'd like to become a patron so we can use your money to finally destroy the Joestar family forever, find us at netflixandswill.com patreon. Brand yourself as part of our unholy army. Go to netflixandswill.com merch. Leave a review and tell me what a good job I'm doing as your immortal overlord. Visit netflixandswill.com slash applepodcasts. Thanks for helping us manifest our stand abilities, which give us the power to watch terrible movies and TV shows and do, like, rapid punches and stop time or whatever. Seriously, go watch JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 6 comes out in December.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it. It's time to get into our main review topic, but first... We have a guest on the show, first time on the show, also does a Netflix podcast. It's Andrew Morgan of the Netflix Original Movie Podcast. Andrew, welcome.
2: Thank you guys for having me. This is great. Yeah, we talked about, you know, the biggest movie that Netflix has ever released. Let's do the the big time crossover. So I'm very glad to be here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we're glad uh, so, to have you. So uh, why don't you let everybody know about Netflix Original Movie Podcast and where to find it?
2: Yeah, the uh the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. Uh it's a weekly show where we talk about you guessed it, Netflix original movies every single week. Um, you know, we just we just covered Red Notice, you know, uh, on our Wednesday show. Uh I was able to see it in theaters and um uh I think you guys may have as well, uh, did, which but... is always weird. Um, mm-hmm. you know, to to see a Netflix movie out in the wild. But yeah, we uh we cover the biggest and brightest every single week uh with reviews previews interviews just covering everything under that umbrella so we try to do our best uh bring in some really fun guests and and have a good time with it as much as we can
1: (laughs) awesome well uh caleb it's time to get into talking about red notice so hit us hit us hit somebody with the stats
0: (laughs) all right red notice is a brand new action comedy crime film on netflix it is a 6.5 out of 10 on imdb uh, the logline is an Interpol agent tracks the world's most wanted art thief. Uh, this is written and directed by Rawson Marshall Furberger. Uh, <laughs> it's actually Thurber, but. Uh, Furberger's I- better. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you're welcome, Wayne. I don't know if he actually listens to the show, but I know that Paul does. Um, stars Dwayne the Rock Lobster and uh, Ryan Reynolds in Gal Gadot. Uh, and also, it's uh, a big piece of shit. What do you guys think?
2: <laughs>
1: Andrew, go first.
2: Well, it's interesting that you say that the uh, I always love looking at the numbers myself. The The weird number is where I get uh, the scary thing for both of us should be that the the audience likes this movie way more than the critics did. So we look like the jerks, you know, just attacking this poor, big blockbuster nah. movie that's going to do huge numbers, uh, which speaking of which, I'm sure you guys saw Ryan Reynolds tweeted out yep. the biggest first day ever. It's like, well, they've yeah. never had three big stars. So if it wasn't, that would be woo, <laughs> all the bells would be going off. But, yeah. you know, we won't know numbers, solid numbers for three months anyway. So who cares? Right. You guys follow Casey Moore and what's on Netflix. You of know, course you guys know and the entertainment well, guy. So, yeah,
1: well, I do. but.
2: Caleb, you know, pretty. the numbers and whatever we find.
1: What what have you man. brought me this week for news? It's like, here you go. Here's some
2: numbers. And he's like, cool. I don't know what those mean. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I I think uh, I, I'm, I'm aligned. I'm the talent. With you.
0: You're the brains. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I think I'm aligned with you guys. This movie is a is a mess. Like I actually uh, when we were talking about it on my pod, we, we I labeled it as clickbait the movie. Where yeah. it's like, because basically it's just, you know, it's got the big, shiny, you know, big head posters, you know, that like the old style of like, we didn't try to to make this into a movie. We just knew we had three big stars and and just went for broke because uh, the the script is ve- like incoherent at times. Like they they have the three big stars. They know what they have and they know what they want to try to get to at the end of the movie. But this movie doesn't know what genre it is. It, it tries to be a fancy like heist criminal kind of thing it tries to be you know an action movie and it tries to be an adventure film like you're like they're doing mock uh you know indiana jones stuff by the end of this movie for no reason yeah, to, to so- the
0: point where like ryan reynolds even whistles the fucking raiders theme
2: yeah <laughs> And and yeah, and you got to bring in Nazis like it's all the tropes of everything they tried to do. They did, uh, you know, the escape out of the, you know, I don't know how much you guys want to do spoilers, but the escape at the end or whatever that they try to do is very reminiscent of Temple of Doom when they're trying Mm -hmm. to do, uh, you know, that fight in there. So it's paint by numbers. The movie. It is. I I don't know. And and the and the biggest crime is that you don't know who even really the protagonist or the villain is in this movie either because it constantly shifts throughout the movie and then they add the wrinkles of all the twists and turns of you know the backstabbing and the and the and the switch stance in terms of the the criminal element so you don't actually have anyone to root for or against <laughs> like for most of the movie you just kind of go isn't it cool to hang out with these three people and some people will be like yeah it was two hours of me staring at these three you know pretty big stars Um, you know for for uh, a nothing plot while we blow stuff up every now and then
0: i i knew this movie was in trouble from like the first two minutes because like they start with opening narration where it's telling the story about, like, these three golden eggs that they have to chase down throughout the movie. Um, and uh, I was, like, talking to Dan on Discord about it. And I was like, the opening narration of uh, this movie sounds like a clip that plays when you push a button at a museum. And then I was like, it oh, does. shit, it is. I'm so smart.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, and then, like, they splash up a fucking definition of the phrase Red Notice for you to read. Which, by the uh, way, I then, think is And then not it cuts accurate. to... Yeah, and then it cuts to uh, like big splashy letters on the screen saying that we're in Rome, uh, and then does like, uh, a chase cam following a fast car that's like poorly CGI'd, and I was like, this is already a mess. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah, and if if, just to jump in a little bit, like the the poor CGI is the crime here because we're talking a hundred and sixty million dollar budget that ballooned supposedly to two hundred million. They shot. Most 90 this,
0: million for The Rock, 90 million for Ryan Reynolds.
2: <laughs> pretty much. I mean, like, because uh, I know The Rock and uh, Russell Michael Thurber, their production teams were the people who produced this film uh, once it came over from Universal. And, you know, the <laughs> they have all this money. And yet I know, you know, COVID played a part and everything else, but the movie's mostly shot on soundstage, uh, you know, yes. and CGI in Atlanta. They did one week where they went to, like, Italy to be like, let's shoot some Italy stuff just to kind of mock everything out. But that wasn't with any, like, major talent. All the major talent shot in Atlanta. And Mm -hmm. so every time you see them, you know that everything is just faked up.
0: Yeah, and there's so many, like, shots where, like, it's so obvious they're on a soundstage. Like, there's one part where they go into the the jungle like looking for this like lost treasure or whatever um and like they're at like a waterfall and none of it looks real oh yeah it's like this is this is the stage where uh you know they they shot like the water scenes in water world and then they like put <laughs> some fake
2: fucking plastic trees around from the dollar store my favorite Time thing <laughs> My, my favorite thing in that scene is that they changed Ryan Reynolds uh, like outfit to make him look more adventurous. Like everybody just gets to look like they're in Jumanji all of a sudden. It's 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 funny the whole time. It's yeah, like, like, oh, yeah, you get this slick art thief. And now he's, you know, Indiana Jones or uh, Brendan well, like, Fraser from The Mummy.
0: As soon as they went into the jungle, the rock was just in Jumanji.
2: Yes.
1: I wish he was in Jumanji because at least in Jumanji, he's fun.
0: At least in Jumanji, you get to see Karen Galan's midriff.
1: That's true. Mm. Like, but like, so for my part, I actually don't hate this movie. I don't like this. Uh, I want to be clear. I don't think this is a good movie. I think it's okay at best. I think it's fine. But The Rock is insufferable. Like somebody needs to talk to The Rock. So that way we can get like him actually being a person instead of a fucking robot. Because all I can think of through the entire movie is, oh, my God, this is the guy that w- had crowds eating out of the palm of his hand in the middle of a fucking ring every yeah. night. And now he's doing this.
0: This, yeah. is, and this it's, is nothing. It's rough because, like, The Rock is like one of the most charismatic humans who's ever, like, lived. And th- he's so unlikable in this movie.
2: Well, I think because the movie doesn't know what each character... Like, they're not well-defined. So every character is going in going, don't screw up the twist, don't screw up the twist, and then the twist happens and everybody's like, I don't care. Like, the whole audience should just be like, okay, yeah, we knew this was coming. It was the most obvious thing ever. You held back being a human being for most of the movie so you could do this, and and then they played it. Yeah, And, and I, I honestly just was... Uh, by that point in the movie, I was just so annoyed uh, with everything, mm-hmm. especially I know you were saying about The Rock. To me, Gal Gadda is the worst part of this movie because my, my biggest thing uh, with a movie like this and a lot of movies that kind of do this thing is I hate a movie where everybody has to be funny. And everybody who's not talented enough like Ryan Reynolds to be funny, being funny is painful. Like. Uh, The torture scene in this movie, uh, both of them, actually, the one where she like, you know, uh, gets on a guy about his browser history to kind of be a a hack uh, for a little bit. And then uh, the one later on where she has to, quote, torture the rock, which ends up being fake um, later on that both of those scenes are awful because she cannot pull that off at all. Um, and it's just it's painful to watch. But yeah, and even The Rock, he's guilty of it a lot in this one too. When he's not being a hard ass and tries to be funny, isn't very well uh, pulled off. I actually enjoyed Ryan Reynolds quite a bit in this movie, but uh, he he's to me the lone bright spot. But he's just improving, trying to improve, probably on a character that wasn't very. I don't well know. Um,
0: I'm I'm tired of seeing people threaten each other over their browser history in movies because like. <laughs> Every guy immediately deletes his browser history after he watches porn.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're pretty well versed now. But of course, you're like, you're at work. Like, uh, also uh, a tough thing, which uh, Mike Field, the, the guy who was the guest on my podcast this week, he uh, he he also hates the fact that, okay, you're a world-renowned art thief, but you also happen to be a world-class uh Hacker as well. Like everybody knows how to code. Everybody knows and, how to break firewalls. Everybody. And, yeah, I mean, like there are certain levels of of craft, but they don't establish any of that. But it's just now a given. Like whenever we have somebody who's good at like one thing, they also can break into the Pentagon's firewall.
1: <laughs> uh I'm going to disagree with you. I think Gal Gadot is the best part of this movie because Ooh. she knows exactly what movie she's in. She's in a dumb action movie that doesn't matter. So she's just going over the top. She is she is what tying it back to Waterworld. She is what Dennis Hopper is to Waterworld because she just does Ooh. not care. She does not give a fuck. And she's just doing her own thing. And I and, loved it.
0: And I'm going to split the difference and say that Gal Gadot definitely was a part of this movie. <laughs> Agree. But I do love Ryan Reynolds. Yeah.
1: I will say Ryan Reynolds is probably See, my favorite I, part of it. I Go did
0: ahead. not like Ryan Reynolds in this movie because he was just like trying to do the zany slapstick shit that he did in like the mid two thousands. And it's like, yes. bro, you're like, you're like fifty now. Come on, like, g- g- do like <laughs> mature humor.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I I didn't think it was too, uh, I don't know, Bugs Bunny of him. And just this I don't know. It I was guess, like
0: but... super slapstick. I don't know. Just I didn't vibe with it.
2: Hmm. yeah again to each his own but uh, i'm i literally am not gonna stand on principle for any of these takes (laughs) like because it's a movie that at the end of the day is just not gonna uh you know ring a lot of bells for a lot of people it's uh, at best like you're kind of seeing the reviews and you know even the people who like this movie are not going to be like if you don't like it they're gonna be like whoa 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 this is a masterpiece nobody's nobody's standing on ceremony on any of those or but Unless you saw some, I'd be I'd be very oh, interested I, oh, if you if you've seen Caleb, some.
1: Please find some ten star reviews on on IMDb for Red Notice because that's what I really want to see. Because I'm like, on it. This is <laughs> this is like definition of audience versus critic, where the critics are always going to hate this kind of movie, and audiences are always going to at least enjoy this kind of movie. I'm not going to say love, but they'll always enjoy this kind of movie. And I kind of find myself falling more on the audience side because, like, yes, everything about this movie is dumb. There's a lot of just set piece uh, plotting going on here. It's like, hey, we're in Rome now. Hey, we're in a Russian gulag now. Hey, we're in a, a cool mansion thing. Hey, we're in a Nazi bunker thing. Okay. Like, the, it's just, it's just set piece plotting just to get to like, hey, we're doing this new thing now. Check it out. We're so cool. But <laughs> like, I enjoyed-ish my time. I feel like if this is more than two hours, which it's like right up there. I would have like really hated my time watching this because I never would have had the patience to finish watching this, especially at home. I'm actually kind of glad I did see them theaters because I was like forced to actually watch it and like sort of enjoy it. Like it, it it just kept my attention enough that I went, Oh, the two hours are up. The, the fucking chicken salad that I ate at the movie theater is, is, is going away. I'm ready to go home now. And then the movie was wrapping up
2: and I was like, dope. Would well, you bring like a picnic basket to the movie theater? Like there's, oh. is, there's is oh. nobody patting you down. Are you going in like full Yogi bear? Like oh, no, walking no, no, no. In
1: I, I, so this was a whole night. I, I went with my girlfriend, we went to the movie theater. They, they had, I bought my tickets pre like ahead of time. And then also bought my dinner ahead of time. So, okay. you know, they had a chicken salad. I ate the chicken salad during previews. So I was like, Oh, this is great. This is an experience.
2: Yeah, it's a nice little night out for you.
1: Yeah.
0: That's good. Yeah. All right. no, I- I'm, I'm going to do like a fun mini game in the middle here. So like I'm going to read a user review of this movie on IMDb and you guys are going to guess what they rated it out of 10 stars. Okay. <laughs> the title of this review is botched to the ending. Go watch it. It's fun. Has great production, enticing camera work, average action, and reference-filled scenes for those that feel rewarded for knowing things. Globe-trotting rival thieves chasing Cleopatra's eggs is a fun premise. And once you've seen it, you'd know this movie only works because of Ryan. His talent for being himself in every movie he is in, as if he couldn't act, is astounding. His delivery of funny lines is the primary reason why I enjoyed it. Put literally anyone else around him and it would have been a similar effect considering how the ending is a flat line and the second viewing is not worth it the convenience and pandering of most plot lines it's amazing it isn't terrible 3 of 22 people found this helpful
1: <laughs> that's see that started out like positive but then it went so neg i want to go 7 out of 10
2: andrew i think i think this person put it really high I, I'm thinking like a 9. 10 out of 10. Yeah, What yeah. is this? How? Yeah.
1: how? If you hate yeah. the ending, you can't <laughs> give it a 10. You can't.
2: Unbelievable. And also, Which, how, are, how are you not signing up for this movie and going, I don't want them to team up at the end. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't want them to tease that we're going to get more out of these three people from, from then on. Which, by the way, are you guys at least... I'll ask obviously maybe the people who enjoyed it more than me in the room. Uh, you know, are you guys gearing for a sequel? Are you guys excited at all for, for seeing more? Because when they're teaming up, you know, and, and trying to to go for more, I was like, for what? <laughs> like, why are we doing this? Sunk cost fallacy.
1: That's yeah, what but then you like, got like if they spent 200 million to buy the movie, why not be like, "Oh, look, our investment was totally worth it because we're we got a sequel going everybody?" I
2: I'd, I'd be shocked how quick if they can get these people in a room again for, you know, 2 months to to try to shoot another one anytime soon. Cuz Gal Gadot's got a Netflix movie coming out. Uh Ryan Reynolds does too, but he's also <laughs> I almost I chuckled when I after I watched uh, this movie and didn't enjoy it all that much, and then Ryan Reynolds is like, oh, by the way, I'm taking time off from acting because I've just had enough. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this, this movie yeah. will do that. You know, when it oh, runs yeah. you through the marketing machine and everything else, too, it's like, yeah, I would take uh, some time off, too. But he, he made it sound like he's Daniel Day-Lewis, like he's like borderline <laughs> retirement. He's going away for like six <laughs> months. I'm like, okay, all right. I don't know if uh, a
0: sequel to this will happen I think Gal Gadot is going to be too busy filming Wonder Woman 2020 where she fights COVID
1: that was an attempt sorry (laughs) (laughs) Uh, look I I had my expectations checked the second I watched the trailer in the first place I went oh this is going to be garbage and you know I I watched the movie and I was like okay it's not garbage it's not good like it's it's, uh But like I'm not Johnson for a sequel. Like they're setting up for a sequel, obviously. Like right, they're doing they're doing the extraction thing where it's like, hey, we want you to want a sequel, so you know, <laughs> make some noise, everybody, go watch this 99 million times, so we can make yeah. sure that we get a sequel.
2: But at least that's probably like appropriately budgeted. You know, that movie probably costs a third of what this movie costs. Oh, so easily. they can, if if they don't want to make a sequel, they can. They can just kick that away, which the interesting thing is this is I compared this more to six underground where six underground looks mm-hmm. like they're like, yep, it's six underground. It's seven underground. It's eight underground. Like they were going to keep doing it until, you know, 13. And then all of a sudden they're like, no, nope, no. Nope. And after was after one. the numbers came out where there was like, oh, yeah, a bunch of people watched it. It's like, yeah. But did anybody enjoy it?
1: No, nobody enjoyed that. I Even I hated that movie. And I'm There's more easy a,
2: to impress than most
1: people. That's that yeah, true? That's Michael Bay
2: knows how to do set pieces, so a few of them were like fun. But outside of that, I was like, I don't, I don't care. I don't remember any of these characters' names. I don't know. I, I barely remember like the actors in there. Like it's Melanie Laurent, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm like, okay. And from there, I got nothing.
1: It was also um, uh, Matthias Schweighöfer who plays mm. uh, what's his face in uh, the Army movies.
2: Yeah, which I totally forgot that that was a thing.
1: Uh, I I (laughs) like that popped into my mind. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is his third Netflix movie when I was watching Army of Thieves. Because like, oh, yeah, he was the parkour guy for uh, six under six underground. Yeah,
2: that's wild. Supposedly he's huge in in Germany or whatever uh, that they gave him this big deal uh, with Netflix. Quick question for you guys, because it was part of the. The, the thing that i focused on somewhat in in our episode D- like do you think we're ever going to truly know whether this is successful or do you think it's already like just a big hit like we're we're done here like this is a big success for them if they're gonna give us some gaudy number that it came out and you know that they're gonna be like oh yeah it's it, like it's we're gonna gloss over the fact that the metacritic score score is like 39 and <laughs> <laughs> a lot of like every major critic like trash this thing and whatever, but you know, are we just gonna go? Yep, home run. A hundred million people watched it in the first weekend or whatever. And uh, see, I, yeah. I think Netflix
0: pretty much exclusively gives a shit about like viewer like viewer numbers and not like critical reviews because like their their serious Oscar bait movie is like fucking hillbilly elegy, which is like. <laughs> Solidly middle of the road, I guess. Oof. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I do. I, I,
1: if they I factor think... in, like you know, view numbers plus like like the dislike ratio, because like that might be part of the problem with what what happened with Six Underground is like the like to dislike ratio wasn't good enough for that to continue, and this might be you know I feel like this is better. Th- this is better than Six Underground, so it's already gonna be more positive than that. So. It just comes down to what is their threshold for thinking, hey, we want to move further with this. Is it, you know, 60% people like this? 80% people like this? Like, what? Right. We don't know.
2: Uh, The tough part is, like, the whole Atlanta of it all and the COVID of it all. Like, I almost feel bad for them a little bit that maybe they didn't get what they truly had in store for this movie, and they had to mock, like, so much of it that, you know, it kind of, Ruins a little bit of the appeal, because to me, if this is Netflix's version of trying to be, you know, Bond, Mission Impossible, Fast and the Furious, like that kind of level, if you're going to put that much kind of money into it, you know, you want to kind of, you know, be in these locales, you want to be grand, essentially, you want to make it like a big, you know, fantasy, you know, for everybody. And I don't think this kind of cuts that at all. You know, it doesn't really kind of fit that mold because so much stuff looks like I'm. I, I can see this. You know, the stitching here. I could see all the mm. the CGI and the matting and and this all too perfect sunset behind you, or you know, all these things that uh. You know, Marvel does a lot better. I guess if they're gonna try to do a lot of those, but as far as the competition, this movie has, I think the other ones kind of you know beat them with it with a very similar budget, right.
0: I think that the the real hero of this movie is Dwayne Johnson's Taylor, uh, because they managed to squeeze (laughs) him into a tuxedo and make it not look like a trampoline stretched across a blimp. (laughs) Very true.
1: All right, let's talk about everybody's uh, least favorite character from the movie, the guy who sounds like fucking Gandalf in Dumbledore, uh, all rolled into one, and he's supposed to be a serious bad guy that we're all supposed to fear.
2: Yeah, I I, I will... uh... (sighs) that was a big bone of contention for me too. When I was watching it, not only for the fact that that is not his accent at all. uh, It also isn't really kind of the age he was supposed to be either, but he's also supposed to be jacked and like to choke people. So I guess they had to kind of maybe try to get somewhere in between. I like that guy a lot uh, from, uh, I watched Silicon Valley and he's one of the funnier guys, uh, like kind of bit characters on that show. Uh, Chris D. Diamantopoulos, um Mm -hmm. he plays Russ hanneman in 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 silicon valley for hbo and i i I think he's very funny there but i was like whoa you are way way off base with this one uh and i i couldn't stand it and he also kind of ties into like i was saying the the stuff i didn't like about calcato the most too because them pairing together just made no sense and he's uh like it's uh just doesn't make any sense at all at any time. It took me out of the movie of a movie that was already kind of like pulling at me. Sure. I thought the villain was
0: supposed to be the CGI bull from the bullfight scene. <laughs> <laughs> That's I
1: mean, tough. that was a villain. That's <laughs> tough. But, but I mean, when, when your theoretical bad guy sounds like this and like he's barely being able to speak because he's on his deathbed. I don't know what you're supposed to get out of that. Like, Did I you never do that because his dad choked him. You just had that was depth like depth to this movie that I never considered.
2: I, I, I honestly, it didn't register with me until just now. <laughs> so, I, like, I guess that because that was his MO, like, his uh, dad was like abusive or something. And so uh, he likes to choke people because his dad choked him out. I don't know. Something it was, they mentioned something like that in the movie. And I'm like, okay. But I didn't realize that that sure. would make him sound like, you know, he has no vocal cords left.
1: Right, he sounds like Eddie Redmayne and Jupiter Ascending.
2: <laughs> yeah i I just realized that like
0: this movie was supposed to have a theme of like parents fucking up their kids and like parents being responsible for the way their kids turn out. I guess because like there's that, and like Ryan Reynolds and The Rock both talk about that.
2: Yeah, they really try to make their relationship, you know, plausible and kismet, and like you know, trying to bond at certain points and make that dad thing matter. But there's so much time in between that they don't discuss it and they don't really, you know, it's, it's not like uh the mummy or national treasure or something like where you're like following the breadcrumbs to figure out something based on his dad's watch and all that stuff. Like they really mm-hmm. go back and forth with that and really don't, you know, land that home as like this guiding thing to to get you to the to the nazi bunker and all this other stuff to to find the other egg. So plus also who gives a shit about these eggs? <laughs> like the, <laughs> the how, how would the audience care about this particular, you know, macguffin or whatever this particular thing because if if it only matters because of money and the people who care about the money are the people who we shouldn't be fully rooting for. And, like, I don't well, like, I don't I don't get it have
0: having just watched Army of Thieves like this is basically the same movie like replace egg with safe and like it's the same concept basically like it's the same characters going on like a series of self-contained little quests for each of like the MacGuffins. Yeah, at least like Dieter's a safe cracker though. Like
2: nobody's right. uh, no, like I guess at least like the art- safe cla- safe
0: cracking scenes had good visual
2: effects. Yeah, for sure. I like I, I don't fully mind Army of Thieves. It wasn't like it didn't no, it's you okay. know pull me over. It it's it's watchable. I, I hate having to, like, kind of use that for so much of the Netflix movies that we cover. It's like, yeah, it was watchable. It's like such a low baseline. But honestly, that's exactly where we're at with a lot of these things when they're trying to fill out a universe that nobody asked for. Um, much yeah, like this one, it was. I guess. It was uh,
0: incrementally better than fucking staring into the void of my own existential dread for two hours.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly that is netflix in a nutshell and if they can get (laughs) enough of their global base to watch it it's like hey it's a big hit because if you take the uh you know 70 million people who watched it and if you took you know that is box office numbers and you add that up this movie made a billion dollars and you're like well that's not exactly how that works at all because they had no barrier of entry (laughs)
1: <laughs> right everyone likes to make that comparison It's like that's never going to be a dollars to dollars comparison it's never apples no. to apples this is it is like apples to fucking emeralds like it is so <laughs> yeah. wildly different that it doesn't like they're not even the same ballpark anymore
0: yeah speaking of ballparks and ballparks andrew is wearing his mets hat and it makes me feel like i should go put my pirate hat on so you can make fun of me for not liking good baseball teams
2: <laughs> hey, listen. It, it's all—it's all tough out here for, for that, you know. I've—I've yeah. um, yeah. I've been
0: waiting 35 years for the Pirates to win a pennant, and I can wait another 35 years.
2: You be waiting, yeah, like, 135 I, years. Yeah, Yeah. I I was born in 82, you know, they won in 86, I barely remember it, and then I've had 90% of my baseball enjoying (laughs) life being wildly disappointing with a few World Series losses in between. So, you know, you had your, uh, you know, Bonds and Bonilla, probably childhood, and then have been, uh, you know, chasing that. Yeah. chasing that there was that time period of
1: 2015 it. to 2017 where i was like oh my god a legitimate world series contender 100 win team and then they were just like nah fuck it and then they blew it up and you're like <laughs> yep. oh, okay cool great thanks yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, at, at least the mets aren't effectively a training team at this point
2: yeah, we we have we have big market money that we use sometimes and then cry poor the other times <laughs> and then also don't know how to create a farm system cuz we operate like we're smarter than having a farm system when every other team that's been winning world series uh does all of it much better than us. So every year is a rebuilding every year is like, Hey, wait until next year moment. So it's just, you hope to get to the end of the year before that moniker. like that little, uh, phrase comes out. So yeah, but at least I get to watch Keith Hernandez in purple fur suits, you know, in the booth every now and then. And it's a lot of fun looking like a, like a so that's Batman red villain. notice. That's
1: how much we really like red notice. We'd rather talk about baseball,
2: which is yes. now
1: in its off season than talk about the rest of the movie.
2: Yes, with Pittsburgh and the Mets. Not even <laughs> like, hey, you know, our teams just went to the World Series.
1: All right. I just I do want to talk about the twist real quick. So uh, spoilers for anybody who cares. Damn. Let me just play the ending for you.
2: No, no, I don't want to
1: see how it ends okay i could describe it um imagine you're in a room no no, like, no 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 i don't want to know how it ends i haven't seen the beginning uh, yeah yet. but the ending is awesome so if i could so just play the bitch, the... this is what you always do you always spoil stuff uh, for me no i don't and if i could just play the ending for you real quick then we'll discuss that motherfucker you always spoil everything before i get a chance okay, to okay you sound like a crazy person right now all right so the twist is that the rock and gal Gadot and working together i mean i'm gonna be honest i didn't see it coming i knew something fucky had to be happening though. Because like we don't get the shot of the three of them standing next to each other uh that we saw in product like in like teaser trailers and that kind of stuff, unless we get something fucky at that point. So I was like, okay, something has to happen. And then that, that was it. So what did you guys think? Well it was something. <laughs> <laughs> like I I
0: didn't really see it coming, but that was mostly because like I had already kind of checked out and was playing animal crossing, but like, it's certainly like a way
2: to wrap up the movie. Yeah. I I don't know where, why they want to go that route from here. Besides the fact that they have these three and what else are you going to do? Um, but you know, I kind of feel bad for Ryan Reynolds because I guess, do do you consider him the quote protagonist of this movie? Because if Rock is yeah. the twist, you know, and and their partnership was kind of the thing that drives most of this movie, like, shouldn't we know a little bit more about him or, like, his expertise or anything to where I feel bad for him that he gets, you know, rooked at the end? Um, but to me, I think, I, I don't know, how did you feel about the we're the bishop versus she's the bishop thing, where it's like there's two bishops on a chessboard and there's two of us ho, ho, ho. Well, we are I am very up. smart. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I cringed a little bit at that, but it's not the worst thing, but it was one of those like ah oh, god, okay. The one thing that makes me feel bad too with the the end here is so they basically made the Interpol agent who's just doing her job sort of the villain because you're making the three of them on par with each other at this point. So yeah. who's the bad guy? Well, also, and, and she was kind of
0: shitty at her job because she was, like, fucking blowing up a fucking bunker full of priceless relics.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, not only that, you get her, uh, you know, her background check on John Hartley was like, oh, he gave me a very official looking piece of paper and I trusted you. <laughs> so now I'm going to throw you in a you know Russian black site or whatever. Yeah, in, you, in the fucking gulag. You may be like, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that was kind of uh just sad we're gonna get fucking black bagged and disappeared yeah because they couldn't do that with the rock so the rock gets caught in this kind of in between where he can't emote one way or the other he can't be the the big rah-rah justice guy because deep down he's the 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 backbiter the duplicitous you know guy who's gonna set up the twist (laughs) But he also doesn't get to buy in on being the bad guy until the very, very end. So I feel like I, I feel bad for him that he kind of gets caught in between. I think that's why you're saying this lack of charisma thing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they decided how they wanted the movie to end and wrote backwards from that. Yeah. And that's the thing, too. I, I don't know what this team means. Like, OK, they're going to go rob something else. Cool. Cool. Um, what made that different than the beginning of the movie? Like, right. what did we learn? You know, what do we, what did we evolve into? I I you know, they just added one more person who I guess is good at lying and being huge because he's the rock. <laughs> Other <laughs> than that, like I you know, I don't know what his skill set brings to two world-class art thieves anyway. Like, what are you trying to steal? They're going in uh to uh what the hell's the? They, name, they the were Louvre? going into the Louvre, yeah, right, yeah. So it's like okay, so so what's the target? What what do I care? Because I didn't care a whole lot about Cleopatra's eggs, which by the way is not a real thing. So what made up thing are we going to do for part two <laughs> that I'm supposed to be like, yep, let's do this? Um, and where I would assume what the Interpol agent is now the official heavy because you're going against three supposedly bad people is the twist that one of them's going to have a heart. <laughs> I don't
0: know I don't know. I feel like the the sequel has to be Ryan Reynolds like setting things up to like make sure that the other two go to jail. Yeah, so yeah, that he I, can be number one
2: maybe, yeah. yeah which is why you know it's kind of odd that so so they teamed up because they kind of sort of need each other. In, in a sense of like the completion of this movie, but then also to elevate their own status for for the the high the stuff that I guess they care about so much in this movie. It's, it's kind of weak uh, to why they do it. But again, Netflix or any of the people who actually like really like this movie are not going to care. They're just no. like, oh, we get to see these three people again, which, you know, that's fine. Cool. I get it. You know, there's a lot of dumb franchises out there that people just watch on and on and on, um, you know, Fast and the Furious is already in space. Like, we're going to have to go somewhere else. Like, yeah, it's going to get, you know, dumb out there. But, you know, to me, at least like, what do you think of uh, Ross and Michael Thurber's movies otherwise? Because, like, I watched like Skyscraper before I watched Red Notice. Oh, and that's, I was ter- like, that's a terrible movie. But to me, that movie at least knows what it is. Like, it's, it's jo- you know, basically The Rock doing John McClane shit with a, a family that he's trying to protect in a giant skyscraper. That's all you need to know. The barrier for entry is not a whole lot. I'm not saying it's a great movie or anything, but I'm just right. saying at least I knew what it was. This movie, I couldn't really follow much past the the first third of the movie, like, where it's like the betrayal and then they have to break out of prison. And then I think that movie just kind of loses me. Yeah.
1: Uh I know him as the director of Talladega Nights, The Bout of Ricky Bobby.
2: So I'm fairly confident. I know he did Dodgeball. I know he did We're, oh, We're the Millers. That's
1: Pillars. what he did. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say
0: he did Dodgeball and We're the Millers.
2: Okay, yeah, and then I he like pivots to being movies. like, I'm in the rock zone because he does Central Intelligence and Central Skyscraper intelligence. after yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he I also
0: apparently directed something called The Mysteries of Pittsburgh. So there you go, Dan.
1: Oh, well, I have to check that out. He's now my my new favorite director. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he, he it is what it is. I, I've only ever seen Skyscraper. And that's the point where I was like, the rock is done. The rock can't be anything else. He is this character going forward. And that's just how it is. Like, look at starting that movie. He has not changed. Hobbs and Shaw. He's that character. Yeah. In this movie, he's that character, you know. And that character isn't fun. And everyone will point out, well, Ryan Reynolds has been the same character his entire career. At least that character can be fun and funny.
2: Yeah, and Free Guy, he's not as much. Which I guess, you know, even that movie has its issues. But, like, that movie, at least he's trying to be a character. Mm -hmm. And Deadpool, like, he's a full-on character. He does a lot of the same stuff because he is just an update on the Van Wilder character for his whole (laughs) back half here. Um, But yeah it, it's not gonna change anything it's not gonna wow anybody to to see like what he does in this movie or or what he's done a whole lot lately but yeah i agree with the rock like he i don't know his action stuff he does kind of get super serious but i like it when he gets a little weird like you know uh, what is that movie be cool the one that was uh the get shorty sequel where he's like you know all super stylish and like disco dancing and whatever while being in a in a mob plot or whatever. Like those things are make he he needs to do more stuff where he's just a character, but he's so big now. They're just we just need you to be big and we need you to be at the center of the frame doing like crazy stunt work and Mm -hmm. and beating people up. Yeah. They made him so reductive. I think he needs something to kind of just break out a little bit. He needs a buried (laughs) sure. Yeah. (laughs) Something and, to get
1: him out of his comfort zone.
2: And Gal Gadot, I mean, like she's doing that Netflix spy movie next for for Netflix, and it's written by a uh, Greg Rucka, who uh, wrote Old Guard, and he's a very good comic book writer. So I'm I'm hoping for a little bit more of meat on the bone as far as story. But I don't know. I need to see her be like, you know, the first Wonder Woman's pretty good. I thought the second one was trash. Um, and and I I need to kind of see her. If she's going to be, like, the big star, like, on the level of, like, a uh, Theron or, you know, Jolie at one point or any of these things where it's, like, you're a big action star who could really truly act, I need to see her do, like, a meaty role where she impresses me because I'm right. not quite there with her just yet. She's She's decent when she's, like, filling out a roster, but even as Wonder Woman, like, a lot of those end up being ensembles because they just don't know what to do with that character a lot um. besides make her a half romantic thing which is unnecessary Um, yeah, yeah. so we'll see we'll see what she does but I- I'm looking forward to that movie because at least it has certain elements that I'm like hopeful for that uh, a red notice too eh.
1: <laughs> right uh, anything else anyone wants to say about red notice uh, I feel like we've talked at the death and we're all pretty good but just want to check
2: no, I'd like to thank you guys for, for having me on and reminding me about that CGI bowl and how bad that was because uh, <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Forgot to, to mention that on my own uh, thing. But yeah, this it, it was a tough one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and Ed goddamn Sheeran. Stop acting. Oh, yeah. Stop trying to yeah, act. Yeah, he
1: needs to stop.
2: But he yeah. was in
0: Game of Thrones.
2: Yeah, <laughs> which he didn't need to do that either. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know. Apparently, he just really has like this need to, to to be in front of the camera. But yeah, I guess maybe that makes him a uh, probably a good good hang, a good guy. <laughs> but like, nah, uh, I, I I don't need to see him in a in a movie or TV show anytime soon. Nah. Caleb, well, anything?
0: No, I'm 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 pretty good with the never thinking about this again.
2: Okay. Oh, but it's gonna be in our face everywhere. <laughs> uh, i'm gonna be avoiding twitter for a while
1: <laughs> uh yeah whatever it's it is what it is it is what it is i i didn't hate my time with it uh it was two hours that i could have spent watching something terrible instead i watched something that was whatever
2: hey if it helps i watched a netflix movie last night that's not on netflix yet that is absolutely excellent and i can't wait to talk about it.
1: Uh, does it star a guy who was in, uh, one of the most Marmite movies of 2019 that was production (laughs) delayed, came out in the summer and resides on Amazon prime. I'm I'm talking about, I'm talking about under under the silver lake.
2: Oh yes. Yes. That that might be it.
1: I saw your tweet about that. I'm like, Oh, interesting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm just saying, you guys, I don't know if you guys give a shit about the Oscar push stuff and we're at that part of the year, but, you know, I at least I know, like, better quality stuff is, is coming soon. And I hope, you know, kind of the Don't Look Up of it all kind of maybe kind of itches both, you know, where it's I, I, Oscar I hope- and more fun. But, yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen much good. that I'm hopeful for yet.
1: I hope Don't Look Up is at least passable because right now it looks like try hard garbage.
2: Yeah. Which again, Adam McKay stuff, you know, it always ha- sort of looks like that way, or at least they're like very edit intensive afterwards. That this might just be early whatever they had in the can yeah. to to really show you, but yeah, no, I, I'm crossing my fingers too. But if Red Notice is any indication, I didn't like the trailer, I didn't fully like the clip they showed, and now I didn't like the movie. So hey, everything was a uh, bellwether for everything that came afterwards. <laughs>
1: Everything's <laughs> coming us up in the house. Yeah. Well, Andrew, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, tell everyone where they can find the Nomcast.
2: Yeah, um, we're at Nomcast Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us on Facebook, you know, under the Nomcast, the Netflix Joe movie podcast. And you can go to our website, nomcastpod.com for all the review uh, past episodes where I think like 130, 140 now or somewhere along there. Damn. So lots of uh, lots of. <laughs> Netflix content that if you didn't already hear through you guys, uh if you want a different uh annoying filter to go through, <laughs> then then I will be I will be that guy for you.
0: Yeah. Awesome. We're basically podcast cousins. You're, yeah, it's true. Our wheelhouse is your wheelhouse. So
2: yeah. Like we said off air, like we have just the same daddy who's ignoring us too much that we are just trying to impress at all times. So it's great. I'm, we've I'm we've still, our wagon.
0: I'm still waiting for my dad to get back with that milk.
2: Yeah, <laughs> exactly we're never going to get cigarettes is done smoked
1: (laughs) i will say this though if netflix for some reason tweets a gif about milk we know they know what's up we we, we know they care
2: yeah sort of (laughs) this was fun guys thank you yeah thanks for coming on
1: uh so with that we're gonna cut to another quick break and when we come back we'll be talking about whatever caleb's dick pic was it's like something about money or something i don't fucking care i already hate caleb for making me watch it yeah you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) If those clips made you wish for the good old days of TV, I've got great news. Rabbit Ears TV Podcast is back. Each episode, we look back on a beloved series, ranging from the good old days of television to more modern classics. With the help of a superfan guest host, we will review, discuss, and reminisce about some of the most culturally impactful shows ever to air on TV. You can follow the show on Twitter at RabbitEarsTVPod, Join the Couch Potato Group on Facebook and check out our episode archives at Netflixinswill.com slash rabbit ears. Look for new episodes the third Friday of each month. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming already in
2: progress. Kempanawana. We hold you in our hearts, and when we think about you, it makes me wanna part. (laughs) It's I hope we never part. Now get it right or pay the price
1: welcome back everybody caleb it's time to get into our uh patron requested review no it's not that what am i fucking doing a dick pic it's a dick pic uh for saving capitalism
0: so we're just done with phrasing right
2: Jeez, look at that black cock.
0: yeah which came to me based on the word economic that i searched on netflix uh, so this is a 2017 documentary. Uh, it's a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb. Uh, Saving Capitalism is the documentary film that follows former Secretary of Labor and Professor Robert Reich as he takes his book and his views to the heart of conservative America to speak about our economic system and present big ideas for how to fix it. Uh, that's kind of true. He, he doesn't he says he doesn't know how to fix it. That's correct. Uh, D-
1: Dan, did you care? Uh, surprisingly, yes. Uh, also, you uh... Yeah, it wasn't fun, too bad. Fun fact, actually was high during this movie, uh, and had very visceral reactions to everything. Like, uh, at one point, when the cancer patient girl came on the screen, she started bawling. So, there you go. You found your audience. Hi, people. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we will say, and I think this is probably going to be more of a discussion on our views of the economic situation in America than anything, but uh, I, I pretty much agreed with everything this man said. Yeah, uh, it it's
0: scary. I don't know. There was that one woman who was like, you know, I, I grew up poor and started with nothing. And now you're saying I'm part of the problem because I'm a billionaire. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he is. What are you going to do about it? Um, I don't know. Like, I I thought it was kind of uh, especially poignant because it's like this was going into the Trump times when this came out. And like mm-hmm. now we're uh, it, we're we're in Biden times and, you know, things seem like they might get better maybe, but also it's still trending pretty bad. Um, I don't know. During the pandemic, we saw like the biggest ever transfer of wealth from the poor to the wealthy mm-hmm. like yet. So uh, it's not great.
1: No. And that's the thing is like, you brought up the interesting point. And it's the point I always thought was that like Bernie Sanders and Trump, both, at least when they, when we were in campaigning time said a lot of the same things, it's just, they had a different viewpoint of how to go over it. And that's why Trump always like when, when it became Hillary versus Trump, that's why Trump won is because Trump said the things that people wanted to hear who were of the downtrodden. Like even there's a guy like with like seven, like 70% of the way through the movie is like, I mean, I, I I'm having a, a hard time choosing between Trump and Bernie. And when Bernie leaves the, the scene, there's Trump, and the guy's like, "Okay, that's the guy." Yeah, I, I I never putting Trump supporters into one bucket, being like, "You're all racist," was always a bad call because no, they just wanted somebody who fucking listened, and it seemed like Trump. Would well, like also,
0: if you if you just like write somebody off like that, it kind of like the visceral knee jerk reaction of people is to double down. Mm-hmm. So.
1: So like, that's why I struggle to say anything about like, Hey, Trump supporters are predominantly racist. Cause they're not like a lot of people are just like, Hey, I just want to fucking live. Like the guy who's like, Oh yeah, I made $320,000 last year. Cool. But didn't you spend $300,000 to do it? Yeah. So you made $20,000. Oof. Like that was like, Oh, my God. Could you imagine putting in all that work and then only making $20,000 off of it?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I've uh, I've seen the kind of like I I'm in a fairly well paying job and like I'm absolutely privileged to be out here on my own and making it. But at the same time, like, you know, like when I was a teenager, you know, everybody said. Yeah, education is the way to improve your life and, and make something of yourself. It's like my early 20s were spent like getting educated because I was like, oh, this will open so many real fake doors for me. Um, and then like. My late 20s, I was just working a bunch of stupid fucking jobs and like moved back in with my parents uh, so like I really wasn't making it until my early 30s and like now in my mid 30s, I'm like doing pretty good and have like a path that I, I feel that I can be successful. But like it was really hard and like I am absolutely privileged to like have even made it as far as I have because like a lot of people just aren't
1: right. And honestly, I thought you're going to go down a different path, which was that like. I don't want to call it a lie, but we were all told, you know, education is the way to get above all this shit. Like you're, you're never going to have to do all this stupid, like you're going to work in an office job. You're, you're never going to get your hands dirty ever again. Meanwhile, uh, years later, you got people who got fucking master's degrees that aren't even employed. Like education, like everyone's, everyone's degree invalidated everyone else's degree. And so higher yeah. education just became education. When, when
0: everybody has a master's degree, no one does.
1: Right. So, like, um, it, it like wasn't... I
0: was, I had a bachelor's degree and I was cutting down trees for a living.
1: Right. So like, I don't want to say everyone lied to us because like, I feel like when they said that all their hearts were in the right place, like they wanted people to succeed and they didn't know any better. And now well, coming out on the at other the same side, time, we don't know though, like
0: the, the, the whole thing with this is like money makes the world go round and like high school guidance counselors receive stipends directly from colleges to like convince kids to go there. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's like I don't know, like fucking like the big schools like Harvard. Harvard is a hedge fund that uh has a school as like its public face. Like i don't know it's fucking weird um yeah i don't know like the the one thing that they like touch on a lot is like just kind of the the apathy that people have like you know my vote doesn't matter because like i'm not i'm i'm a have not and not one of the haves so Mm -hmm. like uh and that's true like i i'm completely detached from the political process i I don't vote because I don't care and I don't think it matters.
1: Which, you know, when, when you compare one vote to millions of dollars paid by a corporation, yeah, it doesn't really matter because all, all that matters is, you know, who, who controls the almighty dollar as it's always been. And now that that's definitely within politics, even more because of, uh, I forget what act it was, but I remember that moment in 2010, Whenever they they rule, like the Supreme Court was like, nope, corporations can totally do like can can totally contribute to PACs. And I like I I actually remember back then, too. My opinion was, okay, good, because they pay taxes. And now I'm like, oh, no, they pay. I like I get that they pay taxes, kind of, sort of, not really. But like their money means way more than any money I could ever contribute to a PAC.
0: Yeah. And like they they directly say that, like the the thing with Bernie and Trump, like Bernie was getting a lot of donations from people. But like whenever Trump can call like his corporate buddies and like one donation from a big corporation, like matches everything that Bernie has gotten from like individual donors. Like it just negated all of that work that people were putting into it. Right. Cause then they were like dead ass even. <sighs> and then for some fucking reason, <laughs> they just, they just wouldn't stop running Hillary. And as soon as Hillary got the nomination, I was like, Oh no, we're going to have president Trump.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I felt like that was pretty obvious. Like, I mean, you take the one guy, like, and you spread that out across Millions of people like there there's probably, you know, there's a big toss up between Bernie and Trump for those people. And you probably, you you know, you still get your your hard Republicans, you still get your hard Democrats, but the undecided, you know, you actually make an actual decision for them as opposed like as opposed to, you know, oh, hey, uh, Trump says I can get more money because uh, of crony uh, like he's going to get rid of the crony politicians, and like that seems so enticing to so many people. Meanwhile, you have Hillary Clinton, who benefited significantly her entire career from crony politicians. Uh, like, why, why would you, why would you think that she's going to fix the system that she's benefited from so much? Yeah. No. Uh, This is a discussion about politics and uh, our our feelings on them and the presidential election. What did you think of the actual documentary itself? I mean, I thought it was good. It like it really all it does is like highlight
0: and underscore like things that are bad. Like I said, there's no like it, it shows him. It shows Robert Reich with, you know, his students. And he's like, I don't know how to fix this, but it's like it's in the hands of young people. You know, to to undo this damage, Uh, which is true. And like I've I've said this for years, like we're not going to make any progress to like fixing anything until every boomer has died.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's probably true. Uh, I mean. Yeah, it's 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 just a high level documentary. It's like here. Here's what happened with these issues. Don't know how to fix them. We're not going to really do a deep dive on anything. It's just here are the issues. We'll talk about some of them, sort of, and then we'll move on with our lives. Yeah. Um,
0: I don't know. Did this seem like a long commercial for his book?
1: Maybe. But like he 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 talked about the book a little like it, it wasn't like, well, as I wrote in my book, Saving Capitalism, you know, the title of this documentary that you're watching. It, it, it like he brought it up sparingly and just was like, hey, here's like, here's what my thoughts are on this whole thing. Here's an overview of the economic situation and what what caused it to hit that point. Like when he broke down the timeline of all the the deregulation, it was like, oh, that's interesting. Also, there's a lot of Ronald Reagan in this uh, and a lot of Ronald Reagan hate. So I'm sure you were like half masked for that. Yeah.
0: Hate that guy. And it's like people people compare, like, no matter how you feel about Trump, a lot of people compare Trump to Reagan. And it's like. It's either that, like, oh, Trump was the best president ever because he's like the next Ronald Reagan, uh, which is a stupid thing to say, because Ronald Reagan's the devil. Or people are like, yeah, Trump sucks because he's basically Reagan, uh, which is true. But like. Also, Trump didn't really do anything except make us look like a bunch of idiots. Like his his entire like tenure as president was just like he he didn't he didn't do anything except Mm -hmm. like enable people to be shitty. Like he didn't really like enact any meaningful policy or anything. So like it was just four years of the circus and like no lasting impact. Uh, Whereas, you know, Reagan fucked the whole thing.
1: Right. And honestly, uh, four years of wheel spinning is uh, fine, considering that the wheel spinning was during the the whole Trump administration.
0: Yeah. And like, I don't know if because I'm 35 now, so I could if I wanted to. But if I ever ran for president, my entire platform would be I will sit in my office and I will not do anything for four years.
1: That'd be interesting. <laughs> so, I don't know. Um, it's good. Like, it's a good documentary. Uh, I, it was, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be like, oh, it was fucking groundbreaking. The best thing I've ever seen, blah, blah, blah. You know, I. I yeah. it, it, it taught me some things, but uh, it just confirmed a lot of the things that I already knew that. You know, we're we're slowly moving towards an oligopoly as opposed to a representative republic, which is uh, when anyone ever tells you that we are a democracy. No, we are not. We are a representative republic. And that's why everything is so fucked.
0: Yeah, it's true. Uh, I thought that the cinematography and visual effects were a lot better than Red Notice.
1: <laughs> also, uh, Robert Reich is uh, I think that's the name Robert Reich. He's yeah. a very small person. He's so
0: little. He's a very small man. He's like pocket size. Yeah,
1: he can fit in my little pocket. My condom pocket on my jeans. What is that pocket for if it's not for condoms? Change? Yeah, maybe. A key? A
0: single key? I guess. I don't know. A note from your lover? Uh, a pack of gum. What is the fifth pocket for? Do my jeans have a fifth pocket? They do. I've never once in my life used this pocket. It is exactly condom sized.
1: What is the, the fifth pocket on jeans for? It's a watch pocket. Originally for men who wore pocket watches and needed a protective place to store them. Uh, okay. Though, as Levi's I've, points I've out, I've never seen anybody wear a pocket watch that didn't have a vest on. That's true. Uh although as Levi's points out, the pocket has also served many other purposes over time, from condom storage to coin hoarding. This is according to Huffington Post, so take it with a grain of salt.
0: Here's uh here's a thing on
1: LeviSTrass.com.
0: Uh, the story behind the official fifth pocket. <laughs> In a 1996 Levi's 501 advertisement, Pool Boy, security guards watch over an attractive woman sunbathing by a palatial pool. A pool boy wearing Levi's and holding a net in the water catches the woman's attention. She dives into the crystal blue water, emerging near the man to place a key in his hand. The alerted guards act swiftly, tackling the pool boy and searching him, even emptying both his front pockets, but they are left empty-handed. Why? They failed to check the tiny pocket on the front right side of his Levi's jeans. The ad ends with a voiceover. The fifth pocket overlooked since 1873. I remember that ad. I don't. I think there was one that was similar to that where the guy was just like. Walking along and like ninjas came and like started turning out his pockets. And then he pulled his valuable thing out of the fifth pocket after they left. I don't know why the fifth pocket was a selling point for Levi's, but there you are. I guess we're done talking about this movie now.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's not much to say. We, we like we basically talked about our, our political opinions on on the whole thing, which is pretty much what this wanted us to do in the first place. I think it's like a three. Yeah, I went like like soft three and a half. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's about there. Yeah. OK.
1: Well, next week on the show, uh, I don't know what we're doing. I also don't know what we're doing. Do you have anything that you want to do? Are there any horse socks? Is anybody listening to me? Hmm.
0: I kind of want to make you watch Love Hard. But we can do that for Christmas. Yeah, that's true. Also, like, I hate you, but I don't hate myself enough to do that. (laughs) I don't know. Here's here's something that I thought the trailer looked interesting for that like uh, that we missed. What if what if we watch Passing?
1: Okay, that's fine. Yeah. I plan on watching that th- that this week anyway, so perfect.
0: Sweet, yeah. So we will we will do that. Uh, and then on the back of that, we have a, a patron requested review for Hunt for the Wilder People.
1: Uh, it is a New Zealand movie. Three guesses who picked this one.
0: Uh, was it Paul?
1: No. How dare you slander Sam Hurley for that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Paul, Paul, for some reason, thinks that fucking The I've... Harder They Fall is too long of a movie.
0: And that's an, an opinion that he can have, I guess. I don't know. I just I just thought Paul, because like I think I've heard him talk about this movie before, but.
1: Yes he has but he he was not the chooser. It was okay. it was Sam Hurley who uh was, noted the New Zealand boy. residents. Well, I apologize. I don't I don't want
0: to be the guy who like confuses Australia and New Zealand so at least uh at least Sam can take comfort in the fact that uh his country never lost a war against emus. That's true. Losing against sheep though. <laughs> Nah, they love them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, well, you can find our show at Netflix and Swill.com. Want to stop, shop for all the things Netflix and Swill. Uh, ch- check out our Patreon page if you'd like to contribute to this show that just said that New Zealanders are uh, sheep fuckers. <laughs> uh, is New Zealand
0: like Australia's West Virginia?
1: Mountain mama. Uh, well, there are a lot of mountains, so probably... <laughs> Uh, you know, review us on podcast services. Tell us why you're mad at us for calling New Zealanders sheep fuckers, New Mm. Zealand.
0: Well, just wait till you hear what I have to say about Iceland.
1: What do you have to say about Volcano, man? Um, they seem like very nice people. Hmm.
0: So sorry to shit all over the thing you were doing there.
1: What thing? I don't even know uh, what. What are you? What are you? Stop ruining my Google Doc. I'm fixing I work, it. <laughs> I work very hard on that.
0: I'm just removing old information that we don't need anymore.
1: <sighs> <sighs>
0: Thank you to Space Weather for the use of our theme song, "Bitter." Um, go check out uh their new song Pyroclasm on YouTube. It's uh it's a bop. It is. That's true. So. Uh and until next week, this is Caleb saying we'll see you next Tuesday.